Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're going to be talking about The Third Man from 1949, which received three nominations at the 23rd Academy Awards. It's a film that came out in 1949 over uh, across the pond in the UK, but over here it didn't come out until February of 1950, so it doesn't compete until the 23rd Academy Awards, which is where the great All About Eve from 1950 won the Best Picture and is one of, the, one of the best best picture movies I've ever seen. So it's kind of kind of odd here. You know, we've talked about 1949 before with the heiress way back on episode 62, but this is technically a ceremony later. So Connor and I uh, have a mission to tackle all of the ceremonies. You know, uh, n- not not um, in order or anything. You know, we just want to, as we can, as we see fit, we want to tackle all the ceremonies. And we're getting damn close, my friend. We're getting very very close. I think we only have around 15 to 20 of them left. So we're making our way through, you know, and we're having a lot of fun while doing it. The Third Man is a movie that is uh, available on the Criterion channel. Uh, You can buy a very gorgeous Criterion edition of this movie. And it's become now uh, this this extremely influential movie uh, directed by Carol Reed, starring Joseph Cotton, Orson Welles. Orson Welles, of course, is the man behind Citizen Kane. Um, and if you're a fan of the movie Poltergeist, you know about the Steven Spielberg, Toby Hooper madness. There's a lot of Carol Reed, Orson Welles madness on who really directed this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to think about, but I think most people are like, okay, shut the hell up. It's Carol Reed's movie, you know, uh, and that's kind of where I stand after reading a lot about it. But it's fun to think about, you know, just the way it's fun to think about Poltergeist, right? Who is really in the chair? Uh, this This one's really special, you know, this is my... Second time watching it, I was blown away by it the first time. The second time, I was like, yeah, this is pretty much a masterpiece. It's a 9 out of 10 type movie for me, and I'm excited to hear what you think about it, because this is your first time. Yeah, I bought this. uh, I found the Criterion edition of this when my local Half Price Books was going out of business, and I was able to just buy, you know, supermarket sweep that place. And I found this in the clearance section, and I was like, oh, I, I know this movie. And you know, as fate would have it, you were planning to do it on the show. So it was great timing. Yes. And it was a delightful movie. Uh, just, you know, Orson Welles being Orson Welles as being this kind of smarmy genius who thinks he's got everybody working for him. And in reality, he's so fucked. He doesn't even realize it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I was, I was impressed with kind of the weird tonal matchup between the film and the music where it like, yeah. It had this comedy vibe to it, but what was happening was not funny at all. And I was just seeing, you know, this is one of those building blocks movies where I could see, I could see its future influences. And I love when I can, when I find those kinds of movies and yeah, I totally get why people have been celebrating this thing for a very long time. Yeah. It, it's one of those that makes sense. And that, that famous score, which is all, all played by the zither instrument, that weird string instrument that we see at the beginning of the movie, right? It's like such a weird decision to make 
at the beginning of your film, especially in the forties to just show the instrument and, and this, this music being played by Anton Karras. Uh, it, it's brilliant. And it's so weird because it feels kind of lackadaisical and just kind of like da 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 da. But what's happening in the film is, is quite dark and takes you down these weird rabbit holes that film noir, when it hits right, it's going to take you down that weird, those weird rabbit holes and you're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, this one, this this movie uses that Dutch angle, yeah, like, over, over, and over, and over, and I'm never bothered by it. I'm always just like, this looks fucking badass. And the the cinematography, which which won, uh, uh, it won best cinematography at the 23rd Academy Awards for black and white. And I get why it's one of those winners where you're like, yeah, this this movie is way ahead of its time. The way it's being filmed, the way it's being shot, the lighting is so crazy. There's specific stuff going on with the shadows. Uh, in particular, one scene where we finally see Orson Welles, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, you you get the chills, uh, and then and then towards the end of the film, when they're in the tunnels, you're just blown away by the echoes and and again the shadows that are in play, and it's just looks like so much fun to be a part of. You know, a, a movie like this that has lasted seventy years, you know, decades, and um, I'm I'm excited to kind of to, to knock this one out. This feels like one of the better old movies we've ever done on here yeah for sure and i'm not surprised that you know this film was so uh technically ahead of its time because we saw when we did citizen kane that orson wells was you know creating all these new ways to make movies and i'm sure you know he brought that shit to every production he did afterwards and just having him be there made this film better by just having his knowledge on hand you know and yeah yeah, I, I I love the Dutch angles. I really do. Like, it's just it's so yeah. unnerving. You're like, this isn't right. Something's fucked up here. It's it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it it really is a genius, genius. A uh, little piece of of technique that that uh, still gets used today, but there's nothing like it with the black and white and uh, this era of filmmaking. You know, we we continually uh, in American and British filmmaking, especially we we continue to try to you capture the images that uh, a film noir these days and it just doesn't work the way it did in the 40s and 50s uh and it's one of my favorite kind of subgenres uh, one of my favorite parts of movie culture to go back and kind of put your put yourself into you know into, into the seat feel like you're actually in the 40s the, the way to do it is to watch film noir from this era and i i feel like i'm like a young grasshopper you know watching watching this stuff there's still so much more for me to see and I'm I'm all I'm I'm all about it. That that ride is so much fun. Uh, I love that Criterion continually puts out some of these old you know 30s, 40s, and 50s movies that are just fun. They're just fun, and they're 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 like paranoia and thriller esque, and have some horror elements, and usually really really good writing and really good acting. Yeah, I'm glad something good came out of the Cold War. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Yeah, there you go. But speaking of the Cold War, this is. You know, post uh, post uh, war uh, Vienna, right? And it's a really interesting setting for this movie, and you get you get stuck in right away uh, with with our guy Joseph Cotton, who's great in this movie, uh, and we're kind of with him the whole time. And then when Orson Welles comes up, it's about it's about an hour into the movie, and you're like, where is he? You know, <laughs> where is that fucking guy? You know, that the famous dude who had one of the most fascinating decades in the '40s of all time, where you know, he, he he does Citizen Kane and then people start to hate him because they're like, dude, you're so hard to work with. 
you want to take credit for everything. You're, you're just kind of a monster to where he started doing things for money. You know, he was like, I have to do this now. I have to, you know, I got to make Othello, <laughs> you know, like he's doing crazy stuff throughout, throughout the next decades. Cause he just, he wasn't what we thought he was going to be, what the general public thought he was going to be after something like citizen Kane in his twenties, you know, he does citizen Kane. So it's just, just fucking nuts the way his, uh, the way his career, you know, panned out. And I, I, I love studying him. He's such a unique guy. There's no one who looks like him. Still, to this day, there's no one who quite has that same look as Orson. Yeah, he's, you know, he was supposed to be, I mean, he still is considered to be one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, despite the fact that he didn't make that much that was amazing because of the reasons you laid out. Yeah. Uh, I think his last movie was like, he was the bad guy in the Transformers movie in the 80s. Yeah. Like yeah, he, he died just, in 85. Yeah, yeah. He just, he had no choice. I think he was on the Muppets once. Yeah. It was just whatever he could get because he needed the money. But he, if he just been willing to compromise a little bit, he would have been, he would have had one of the most incredible careers we'd ever seen in 20th century. But he had a vision and he, he didn't, you know, it was his vision. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Fuck everybody else. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's that, that kind of a cat. And those people are fascinating to read about and think about it. Uh, you know, there are filmmakers who probably have a better batting average out there who don't get talked about. But because he was so bizarre and so ahead of his time and so advanced with the way he thought about movies in the 40s, that it just he's just fascinating and he's going to last forever because of that. So I, I'm excited. We haven't talked about him in a long time. You know, we did Citizen Kane a long time ago on this show, episode 27. Uh, quite ambitious, I will say. Uh, I would love to redo it at some point uh, because we basically mashed up uh, David Fincher's Mank from 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 2020 and Citizen Kane into the same episode because we were trying to tackle new movies that we thought were Oscar related. We were right; it was up for a bunch of shit uh, and and won some stuff. But it would be cool to go back and really just dive into Citizen Kane and nothing else, you know. So uh, I I, w- I think we will one day redo that one. You know, that's one of the th- one of the movies from our early stages of this podcast that I would love to redo. Um, another one that, another one that sticks out is Whiplash, because we weren't doing our awards yet. Yeah, when we did when we did that movie, and I mean for a lot of movies we weren't doing the the uh, awards yet. But that one specifically, I'm like I I want to I want to <laughs> talk about what my favorite parts of the movie are, you know, and properly uh, spotlight them. So yeah, we probably will redo some movies, you know, uh, later down the line. But for now, we're doing the Third Man. Uh, before we get into this project that i have set up uh, i have a 1940s oscar sunday run thing that i that i want to kind of you know bounce around with you uh we'll do that give some awards out to the third man and then look at the 23rd academy awards before all of that i want to hear what you've been watching in the past week uh what you've been getting into yeah well um i decided to give the um game of thrones spinoff house of the dragon a watch so yeah. I checked out that pilot. I was impressed. I was, I'm still a little wary because there's a moment in the, in the pilot where they bring up like, you know, somebody had a prophecy of the long night. And I'm like, oh, someone had a prophecy of about 20 minutes of fighting outside Winterfell and then nothing else. So like knowing it's going nowhere is kind of kind of a bummer. <laughs> but I'm hoping they can kind of scale that back and focus more on the family drama within the Targaryen dynasty, which would be nice. Doesn't have to be this giant prophetic thing. Especially since we know 
we're not getting that payoff. Mm. Um, but you know, can't win them all. In terms of film, um, I've been still going through my Netflix list, and uh, I decided to go straight to the back to the stuff that's been there for like ten years, and start watching some of these. And uh, I watched Circle from 2015. Ah, a very strange movie. Uh, basically, it's 50 strangers are abducted by aliens and forced to play a very weird, sadistic game. They're all put in a circle, and in this circle, they're all put in this little red circle that they have to stand in, and if they leave the circle, they're instantly killed by a laser. And there's a rotating thing that picks a person every minute at random to die unless the people in the circle vote for somebody. So... At first, you know, there's there's like at first they decide, like, let's sacrifice the elderly for more time. And all the old people are like, fuck you. And there's a pregnant lady and a child in one of the circles. So they're all like, we got to protect them. But then as people start dying, people's true nature start coming out. And they're like, let's get rid of them. So no one votes for them later. So we might make it out of here. And then people are like, you're talking about killing a child here. And they're like, it's every man for himself. So people start losing their fucking minds in this game and it's a real interesting kind of lesson on human nature and what we're willing to do when faced with you know a brutal death that's out of our control i it did not do well was not very well received i was impressed okay i remember i remember seeing trailers for this and whatnot just being kind of like huh that's that looks interesting but i never got around to it so that's good to hear yeah yeah uh that's so random you know i love i love one of my favorite things about talking to you is we both we both are just watching shit for ourselves. You know, we're just trying to have fun and, and watch random things because you never know when it's going to kind of hit for you. So I love that. that that's fantastic. Uh, I, uh, I've been doing something real rare for me. Uh, the past week, I watched two TV shows. Whoa. <laughs> two shows. <laughs> Get wow. out of here. Two TV shows. I watched a lot of movies. Uh, I've been watching movies from a specific year that I don't quite yet want to um, yeah. give give away yet. But uh, it's because our next Best Picture Showdown, I'm going to f- try to fucking watch as many movies from that year as I possibly can before that show. Not necessarily Oscar movies, but just movies. Rewatching stuff, watching stuff for the first time, you know, from that year. I just want to like dive in deep into that year. So I've been having fun with that. But these two shows I've been watching, both of them like blew my mind. Uh, first one would be uh, uh, the Wrexham show, the uh, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhinney, uh FX show that's that's streaming on Hulu. Uh, and man, that is just right up my alley. I like both those guys. You know, I, of course, Ryan Reynolds has become a, a mega mega star since 2016's Deadpool. But uh, Rob McElhinney, if you know me, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is probably my favorite show of all time, and I love him to death because he is pretty much the creator of that show. And he's the guy that writes more, more episodes than anybody, you know, and he is such an interesting guy has such an interesting past and has put together what 16 seasons now of, of it's always sunny 15, 16. And they're they're to me, they're all like perfect. You know, I I've never been like, that was a weak season. You know, there's some episodes that are down by just a little bit. But for the most part, these are just perfect comedic episodes every time. And I, I just fall in love with them. So him and Ryan Reynolds, they buy this, this uh, football club in Wales called Wrexham, Wrexham AFC. 
And the, the, the show is going to be, I believe, eight episodes, and they release two every Wednesday. So on Wednesday night, I took it upon myself to watch the first two episodes, and I was like, yeah, this is right up my alley, and I love it, you know, and it's paying off, you know. I'm watching these two guys buy this club. Uh, they bought it in 2020, and so they took over, and they've been there now for, for a bit. But, you know, these are two guys who live in Los Angeles and are, are movie and TV guys, and at first there is there's questions about, you know, from the Wrexham fan fan base to like, what are you guys doing? What is this for? Is this publicity? Like, what are you going to do to our club? You know, that we, that we, that we love so much. And they're like, no, we like, we, we want to do this. This isn't for anything other than pure desire and pure passion. And one of my favorite bits from episode one is when Rob McElhinney, he, he explains why he wants to do this, like why he wants this to be his next life venture. And he goes into how he's a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. And he's like one of the greatest, he says one of the top five greatest moments of his entire life is when he went to the Super Bowl and the Eagles beat the Patriots. This is just a few years ago. And he says, not because of what happened on the field, but because of what happened with the people, the community of Philadelphia gathered around each other for one common cause. Not talking about anything, not talking about politics, not talking about you know, religion, just talking about the fucking Eagles, you know, this football team that, that went 13 and three and then went to the playoffs and they got the job done, you know, and they did it for the city. He's like, I want to do that, but I want to be a part of it, of the actual team. I want, I want to be the guy who, who owns the team and helps you guys accomplish your goals. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. Like, that's my dream. I wish I could buy a soccer club and raise it up and, and try to go for glory, you know? So very cool, very rewarding, and I'm, I'm I cannot wait for next this upcoming Wednesday to watch the new episodes. Um, I'm I'm going to like those guys even more. I can tell, you know, with their their soccer knowledge is is beginning to grow, and I love that. Um, Wrexham is a very small, very small club. You know, there's in England there's four major leagues. Uh, there's the the Premier League. There's the championship, there's League One and League Two. Those are the four. Premier League being the highest. That's where like Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool and Arsenal and like those big giant clubs, that's where they play. Wrexham is in the fifth. <laughs> they're below all of that. You know, they're below the four major leagues. So they're trying to get to that fourth league to become, they, now they can be on TV. Now they, they can become sort of relevant, make more money. So their goal, and they're playing, you know, they're in their season right now. They've played a few games and they're, they're doing well. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. You know, I want them, I want them to succeed and I want Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob, I want their money that they're pouring into it to, to come to fruition. You know, I want their goals to be met and watching the show is just helping that, you know? So uh, I love it. I definitely recommend it to, to people who just like underdog stories, you know, stories of like, Hey, let's help out the little guy. Um, and, and those guys are so funny, you know, they're so charismatic and so easy to watch. So great stuff. Um, the other show that I've been watching is a lot different, real weird, uh, HBO show called the rehearsal, uh, created by Nathan Fielder. And, uh, you know, that show started in July and ended just, uh, a week or two ago. Uh, and it's only six episodes. And I finally, you know, I used to watch Nathan for you on comedy central. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Nathan Fielder. And I was like, okay, I need to finally go ahead and watch this. You know, I, I like Nathan. Let's check it out. The episodes were like 30 minutes. I'm not really taking too much time. And my God, I was moved like nothing, like nobody's business with this show. Um, 
I couldn't believe where it where like where my mind went, especially when the show ended and how weird and borderline dangerous it got towards the end with what Nathan's trying to accomplish and the the questions that are that it brings up. There's been a lot of speculation about how is this real or not? Is this like documentary or is everybody an actor? He's not going to say, you know, that's not something he's going to, he, he wants you to think for yourself. And I don't really care if it's all acting. It's still a fascinating, fascinating project and a fascinating way to look at what he's trying to do. It's very, very hard to describe what's happening in this show through like this. I would, I would need a whole episode, a whole podcast to, to really talk about what that show is going for and the, the comedic tone that it has. But I do recommend it to people who like weird shit and like like uh, a singular vision of somebody who knows what he wants to do or knows what she wants to do. In this case, Nathan Fielder knows exactly what he's trying to do. And it goes it gets weird and very, very, very funny. Uh, very, very cringy. You know, if you know Nathan for you, you know, Nathan is going to make you uncomfortable, you know. Uh, so I, I loved it, thought it was great and very rare that like my two favorite things I watched the past week are TV shows. Very weird. Yeah, that is, that is odd. I tried to look this show up and I honestly, like everything I read about it didn't make a damn like sense to me. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Hey, there's no point in me being like, this is what it's about. You know, it's weird. It's fucking weird. It's called the rehearsal. Cause they, he's trying to get people to rehearse things before they go through it in real life. Like, I don't know what else to tell you other than check it out because it's it's bonkers and i mean i was crying towards the end i was like this is so fucking wild where he went with this and he's you know fuck like people are getting fucked with you know and uh it's it's you know it's, i again if it's real or not I, I don't really care it moved me it like really stirred me up so i i've been talking to all of my friends about it been asking them to watch it my my two older brothers they watched it over the past couple of days and they were like holy shit this is wild and so I can't wait to, you know, talk to them in person and hear what they think about it. So it's one of those things where I, I desire to be a part of culture by talking about this show that's so bonkers. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Uh, let's check that one out. But yeah, that's really what I've been watching, man. Um, I uh, Again, I intend on continuing with Wrexham. Uh, welcome to Wrexham. And that's pretty much pretty much it i that's 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 like my capacity for tv that's you know that's where that's where the lines the lines drawn in the sand <laughs> yeah right now i'm keeping up with like i'm going to i'm going to invest in house of the dragon cuz i want to yeah. like you know they got a lot to make up for so i want to see if they're willing to do the work 100% uh, i'm keeping up with you know marvel right now is doing she hulk attorney at law which i'm very much enjoying two episodes in on that and i it's already my favorite one of the marvel shows um, and then what we do in the shadows and Harley Quinn, that's pretty much where I'm at now. <laughs> so, there you go. um, I do want to hi- shout out one more movie that I watched this week, uh, because I didn't know you could make a movie like this in 1956. It's called the bad seed. Yes. <laughs> um, in the midst of the Hayes code, there were, we've talked about that many times on this show. There were certain rules you weren't allowed to do in a film that came out of Hollywood. You know, some were stupid and and just, you know, product of their times, like like no interracial relationships, no gay characters, stupid shit like that. But you also had things like, you know, no, no blatant, you know, murder, no bad guys couldn't get away with with crime. And when you have rules like that and you have a movie about an eight year old 
psychopathic killer. <laughs> how do you how do you pull that off? <laughs> and this was a crazy feat. It was just it's exactly what I said. This this little kid who uh, her classmate wins a, a prize that she felt she should have won. So she beats this kid to death and drowns him in a lake. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's not even like a, you know, oh, it was an accident. It was straight up like she went there to kill this child. <laughs> and her mom finds out about it and she's like, what the hell do I do? You know, I love my daughter, but my daughter's a murderer, <laughs> cold blooded killer. And the mom, Nancy Kelly, amazing performance her only like one of the few movies she did she was mostly a stage actress and she wrestles with this the whole movie she's like what the fuck do i do and just watching her deteriorate while this little girl's just like you know la 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 like there's nothing to care in the world she's a body count of three by the end of this fucking movie it's insane god and i won't spoil the ending because the ending is like what the fuck was that <laughs> but 1956 and i'm like this is incredible it was up for four Oscars, three performance awards and cinematography. Didn't win anything, but I would love to bring that to this show because it would be such a strange and like unique episode. It's, it's a bonkers fucking movie. I really, I, you should check it out. If, I don't think you've seen it. I have not. I'm very, very curious. And yeah, you're definitely selling it. It would be a really cool Oscar Sunday to do. You know, we're always trying to find interesting 40s, 50s movies to, to put on the schedule. So that sounds like, sounds like something we could knock out. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was a precursor to like every movie that's ever had like a killer kid, you know, The Good yeah. Son, Village of the Damned, even like Child's Play. I feel like this was the one that started it all proved like you could do a movie where the, your bad guy is a child with a bloodlust. <laughs> that's fucking great, man. Yeah. Like you said, way ahead of its time in the horror, horror genre, you know, just kids killing people. <laughs> it's a fascinating, fascinating way to, to make a movie. Yeah, kids. Yeah, what are you gonna do, kids? Yeah, he's just a kid. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> oh God, I love it. That's cool. And what what was that on, or how'd you watch that? That was a DVD I've got at Half Price Books, okay. my favorite store, the best place to buy movies. I will plug that place forever. Yeah, Half Price Books, uh, fucking sponsor us because uh, Connor spends so much money there. You know. Yeah, I I have a problem. H H P B sponsor sponsor one of our shows or something god damn you know well we, we <laughs> not only do you buy things for yourself there you buy things for me there because so. <laughs> i see you i'm like i'm like you know he might not get here in time this might be gone next time i come here he, he needs to know <laughs> like there's other freaks like us well there are some out there uh you know there, we, you know there's there's fellow cinephiles out there uh that are also trying to pick up random shit at you know, you know, they're just occasionally going to HPB to check out if they got Shanghai Express. You know, you never know. Yeah, like literally today I bought When Harry Met Sally, The Aviator, and The Last Emperor. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to do the same thing next weekend. Yeah. Last Emperor Criterion. Yes. Ten bucks. That's, I, I have that same. I have that same copy. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, love it. Love that stuff. Very good. Obviously, we both watched The Third Man recently. You know, we both watched it last night. Uh, you watched on your DVD. I watched on the lovely Criterion channel. Um, the 1940s. Let's talk. Let's talk about what we've done, what we've experienced on this show in particular with the 1940s. Um, I'm going to go down the line chronologically what we've done and, and say what episode we've done on because sometimes I'm like, holy shit, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> great Dictator. From 1940, episode five. 
<laughs> oh, uh, we're both still like, what is this show going to be? What do well, we do well, here? Yeah, what what are we what are we on? We're on episode one seventeen right now, I think. Uh, you know, it's one hundred and twelve episodes ago. Uh, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> Nineteen forty one, Citizen Kane, episode twenty seven. It was a long time ago. That's episode twenty five is when really the show became what it is. That's when we did a proper best picture showdown for the first time, and we were like, "This is what we're doing." Every fifth episode, we're going to build up towards a showdown, and in between, we're going to do stuff we just really want to talk about. And give awards out to it. Uh, so that's kind of where we've been. And Citizen Kane fell right after that. Uh, <laughs> Hanky Doodle Dandy. <laughs> 1942. That was episode 64. So that's over a year ago already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's really, really wild. Uh, that's definitely not one of our favorites. Uh, but that is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Because if you recall... That's when we did a big bracket of 16 of the best actor winners ever. Yeah. And, we, and, and I just met it. And I made up the bracket based off of um, like statistics when it comes to the Oscars, you know, total nominations, total wins in the best actor category. And I made a bracket out of them. And I believe, I believe you chose Burt Lancaster to win that thing for Elmer Gantry, 1960. I think it was up again. I think it was Lancaster versus I think Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs. That might that might have been the final tally, and I yes. went with Bert. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember vividly because I was like, "Fuck!" Because the way I did it, I was trying not to be biased when I made that bracket. I was like, "Let's just let's uh, go off statistic. Let's go off something that's not out of my brain, but the Academy's brain." And Daniel Day Lewis is the winningest, uh, best you know, best actor ever with three on six nominations. So I think he was the one seat overall, and he went against Burt Lancaster. And you were like, "I I can't." I got to choose Elmer Gantry <laughs> and you try, and I was like, Holy fuck, you know, cause we, cause we did, uh, we did uh, a night that's 1960. We did uh the apartment uh, showdown uh, for episode 30. And so we watched, you know, Elmer Gantry and we were both like enamored by that, by that movie and by that performance. So that, I remember that episode vividly, just not Yankee doodle dandy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gaslight 1944. That was episode 33. Doesn't feel like that long ago that we did Gaslight. You know, so they all feel like it happened within the past month. It's so weird to me. Yeah. It just stays, once it's in here, it doesn't leave. It's very rare that I forget one of these episodes. You know, <laughs> I, I can recall like what we talked about, what went down. That's when we both were like, okay, Ingrid Bergman is the real deal. You know, we both kind of like real, we had a realization that, okay, she's, she's, a monstrous performer and she's a re- force to be reckoned with. Uh, so the Academy was right about her. Uh, Spellbound 1945. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that. We did that for episode 63. That was, uh, that was our second ever Hitchcock. I believe we had done rear window for like episode 50 something. And uh, of course we both like rear window, just a little bit more. <laughs> uh, Spellbound's not his best work. Um, just, it's it's a decent movie. I'd give it a seven out of ten. It's fine. It's entertaining enough, but just not not what you're expecting when you go into forties Hitchcock. That was when we were doing. Uh, we were staying in one decade for five episodes of Pop. I remember that. That was a cool experiment. Yes, it was. It was the we episodes sixty one to sixty five was all forties movies. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be mentioning those here in a little bit. Uh, 
couple episodes ago, we did a little movie called Lost Weekend, 1945, Best Picture Showdown. We both really liked that movie, had a lot of fun. We both liked that one a lot, and Mildred Pierce. One day, Mildred Pierce will be added to this list of movies we actually tackle. Uh, episode 65, here we are. Best Picture Showdown, 1946, Best Years of Our Lives. Uh, we both were, uh, we, we felt differently about that movie. But of course, uh, you know, we watched all five movies and that was not the best Best picture category of all time, but it does have a. Well, there's another banger from that year. What would it be? 1946. I'm looking yeah. it up right now. Jim, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, fucking. Uh, oh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it's a wonderful yeah. life. Came out in 1946. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no a, contest. Yeah. No contest. Yeah, that's a banger. I. I. Spoiler alert! I plan on doing that movie for Christmas this year. Yeah. Yeah, because we have we have an episode coming out on Christmas Day, and I'm like, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, to do to do a little Christmas Christmas action, maybe maybe talk about that film. You know, that'd be really cool. There's we've done we did Die Hard our first year, uh, first Christmas, and we did Home Alone. It's like let's go old school. So I'm thinking that'll probably be what we do. Uh, Monsieur Verdoux, also uh, that was episode 61, 1947. That was a part of our 40s run. That's a fun, you know, Charlie Chaplin got some great bits in it. Very funny. Uh, liked that movie a lot. That was one that I hadn't seen yet. And you were kind of showing me, you know, because you're a big Chaplin guy. That's a cool movie. <laughs> I love Chaplin. I, it's, it's, I'm surprised, like, I haven't pushed more Chaplin because he's, he doesn't have a lot of Oscar nominated stuff, but he does have some. And well, there's two, two of our 40s movies are, are him. Yeah. But there's like, you know, we could do the gold rush. We could do limelight. Oh, yeah. We could do the circus. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. I think, I think limelight one day needs to be its own, its own thing. You know? Uh, yeah. Cause I would love to do a full on, full on Chaplin. Maybe, maybe, you know, top five things he's done, whether it be, you know, a short or, you know, cause he's got so many amazing shorts. Uh, a lot of them available again on the Criterion channel. Good stuff. They love Charlie Chaplin over there. Uh, let's see. Hamlet, 1948. That was episode 16. This is the first episode we introduced awards for each movie. The Quentin Tarantino Award, the Ennio Morricone Award, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, and the Roger Deakins Award. Unfortunately, we didn't really like Hamlet. Also a Best Picture winner, and we weren't doing Best Picture showdowns yet. But because we're fucking weird, we went ahead and watched the other four movies from 1948 from that category, and all four of them are way better than Hamlet. (sighs) By a mile, like they're they're masterpieces. (laughs) Yeah, it's that's that's Snake Pit, Johnny Belinda, The Red Shoes, and a little film called The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is our next movie that we're going to talk about. Episode eighty-seven. This is a movie we immediately after that Hamlet episode, we were like, we gotta fucking do Sierra Madre. This this is a mind blowing movie. Just you can see it. We you can see it in Reservoir Dogs. You can see it in 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 you know Paul Thomas Anderson movies. You can see it. Still to this day, the act of greed, you know, what greed does to you. Uh, we did a 1998 movie, Simple Plan. Yeah. I mean, give it, give it to Sierra Madre. You know, it's, it's a movie that just is a focal point for that kind of a subgenre, a movie about people dealing with money, dealing with greed. And I, I fucking love that movie so much. And it was one of those, we visited it but not for an episode. And we were like, we got to do an episode on that movie. And that's happened a few times. And, and I love when that happens because you can feel the passion coming back when we rewatch it. One of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite things about the show is when the prep work is so good, it becomes its own thing. 
yeah. it's always just rewarding as hell. <laughs> like like Mildred Pierce from 1945 lost to the last weekend for best picture. We both were like, yeah, but it's just as good. You know, it's 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 right there. It's they're 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 neck and neck. It's a great, great one, too. You know, that's that's what I ask for out of a best picture from these older years is like, give me two at least. Give me two bangers that I can walk away with and remember for the rest of my life. 1948 gave us four. It's one of my it's one of my favorite best picture categories uh, of all time. Just take Hamlet out, please. You know, uh, so yeah. Uh, the heiress, 1949. We did that for episode 62. Little uh, Olivia de Havilland. You know, we we were again influenced by 1948. We wanted to kind of highlight her. And the heiress is is a uh, a best a best lead actress win win for uh, Olivia. And she's amazing in that movie. Montgomery Clift is amazing in that movie. And I fell in love with that one. And I I have that Criterion edition on my shelf in my living room. And it's not going anywhere. I uh, love, love, love that movie. Again, feels like we did it last month. <laughs> but it's been it's been over a year. Yeah. I, you know, through this show, I found out about, you know, Olivia de Havilland and her sister Joan Fontaine's endless feud that has yeah. led me to so many incredible movies where they were just constantly trying to one up each other. It's yeah, that movie was awesome. And I remember going into that one thinking, like, oh, this is gonna be a dull one. But yeah, nope. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely I bought it before we had even seen it. And I was like, please be good. Please, please. please." You know, it's like in Sandlot when Smalls puts his mid up and he's like, please catch it. Please catch it. You know, that's exactly how I felt about the heiress. And I was like, don't be one of those dull, fucking boring 40s movies. Don't be one of those 40s movies that people watch. And they're like, this is why I don't watch old movies, because that can happen. And I don't ever want that to happen on this show. Uh, I, that's like the, one of the worst feelings is when you take that plunge and you're trying to stand up for these older films, this old Hollywood style. And uh, when it doesn't work, it's, it sucks. Cause you want to, you want to represent it. You know, you want to stand up for it. And cause there are great, great movies out there. Uh, also 1949 today's episode, the third man episode 117. So there's only one year we haven't covered. That's 1943. We will get to that one day, but I'm going to be honest. We've done more 40s movies than 70s movies. We've done more 40s movies than 80s movies. These are our two favorite decades. That's probably because we're both like, let's let's pump the brakes. Let's not get too crazy because we could stay in the 80s and the 70s forever. And we could do we could do this whole show only in those two decades. And you and I would have fun the whole time. But this is. This is about having fun, and it's also about learning. It's about broadening horizons. Uh, more than half of these movies were. This was the first time I saw it. You know, this is me putting, 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 putting. You know, myself out there, and hey, let's check it out. You know, Third Man. This is my second time watching. Eris, first time. Sierra Madre, second time. Hamlet, first. Monsieur Verdoux, first. Busters of Our Lives, first. Lost Weekend, first. Spellbound, first. Gaslight first, Yankee, Yankee Doodle Dandy first, Citizen Kane, like fourth or fifth, Great Dictator first. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool that we've done that, that we've kind of used this show as a way to go back and properly, properly learn about these movies that influence things that we love today, that we care so much about, you and I. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite thing to do here. You know, it's, it's hard to not just immediately jump at your favorite movies and just do you know all of our you know just annihilate our top 10 lists immediately it's hard to yeah. you know, pull back on that 
but then, you know, we wouldn't have, you know, that experience we had with, you know, Hamlet and the, the, the quote unquote losers that yeah. much yeah. better than, than that movie. And, you know, those are some of my best, like my favorite memories from this show is mm-hmm. stuff that I didn't think I was either ready for or, un- or knew enough about. And we were able to just, you know, have an incredible discussion about it. Yeah. Just knock the fuck out of it, you know, and just, just tear it to pieces and we're getting better and better at understanding how important this stuff is and realizing that realizing, you know, through movies like the third man, we already talked about on top of the show that you can just, you can just see it seeping through Hollywood for 70 years. You know, you can see it seeping through movies that we both love. So it it is, is a very special feeling. And uh, I don't just want to list them. I want for me and you to rank these movies. Let's talk about what our favorites are. Let's talk about what the, our least favorites are type thing. Uh, it won't be a individual process. This is going to be between both of us. We can come to an agreement on some, some things. Uh, so let's start. You know, There's 12 of them. So let's start from the back. I think right away we both agree that Hamlet's probably the worst one of these. Yeah, you're not wrong. That was the first and probably last time we're going to do Shakespeare as its own thing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm grateful for it. I'm fucking grateful because it gave us those four other movies that now we both reference all the time. True. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not a worthless episode at all, but it is a boring ass movie that I don't plan on watching again. Yeah. And we both struggled to pick awards for it. We were like, really? This is our first time doing doing awards. And what sucks is those first 15 episodes all of those movies I love, like all of them, I like really, really like. We did Pulp Fiction, we did The Five Bloods, we did, you know, like In the Bedroom, Rocky, Great Dictator, Whiplash, Dead Poet Society, On the Waterfront, Fight Club, Black Panther. You know, we did these amazing movies off the Little Miss Sunshine, for fuck's sake. We did these amazing movies that I am so passionate about, and we didn't really know what we were doing yet. Yeah. And so Hamlet is that turning point for this podcast of doing awards and the, the awards have not changed. You know, we've been doing that for now 101 episodes. We've been doing, you know, um, doing, doing that, that format. So grateful, but also not a great movie. If I'm just talking about Hamlet. So, you know, sorry, sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> uh, okay. After that, what do you see as kind of the next weakest link? Uh, probably Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm uh, right there with you. Right there with you. I know Jimmy Cagney loved him some song and dance, but America loved him as a pasty faced gangster. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, we did angels with dirty faces on this show. That's a little thirties love. Uh, and you know, we, t- we watched white heat fucking cool ass movies. Oh yeah. He was at his best with a gun in his hand and a smirk on his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Made it my top of the world. But yeah, Yankee Doodle Dandy's not a terrible movie. It's a decent flick. I just think George Cohen was kind of a like a one trick pony. I don't feel like we needed a movie about the guy who wrote the same song fifty times. Yeah, and it's just not great. It's just the execution kind of boring, kind of just like eh, whatever. Like I don't know, just just not not our kind of movie. And that's you know, again, Cagney. We both responded to his gangster stuff, so. I do like those movies. Uh, but yeah, I think this is very clearly not as bad as Hamlet, but, but right, pretty damn close. Uh, yeah. a- after that, after that, I think there's some room to talk here. I think 
For me, it'd be spellbound. I'm with you there. Spellbound. Okay. Okay. And not again, not a bad movie. Yeah. But but not good. I've voiced this on I feel like three different episodes now. Like you give me Alfred Hitchcock, Ingrid Bergman, and Gregory Peck. I have very high expectations for what I'm gonna get. Yeah. And I just felt like the characters didn't make any damn sense in that movie. Like she's a doctor, but she's throwing it all away for this dude she just met who might be a serial killer. Like, what the hell is this? And there's that weird extended dream sequence that makes no sense. It's it's a mess. I don't really get the love for Spellbound. And not 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 a good mess like a like a you know David Lynch Mulholland Drive mess like a like if it's gonna be a mess commit to the mess you know make it fucking weird as shit Spellbound is like it chooses to be weird in little pockets and then other pockets it's like still doing the old like haha yeah you know and then she's over there and so I, I I'm just kind of like it's it doesn't know where it wants it doesn't know what it wants to be and and obviously we've seen much better Hitchcock stuff and. And and for Bergman, gaslight. You know, like yeah. we've seen we've seen what you're capable of a year before this amazing movie. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Spellbound, Yankee Doodle Dandy, and, and and Hamlet are kind of the back three. Yeah, makes me wonder what else we're gonna grab that ends up you know sucking that hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't know till it's too late. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the, the gift and the curse of this. I'd say we've. We've succeeded more than not with these yes. these old these old movies. Uh, so I, I am grateful for that. Um, I have a guess what yours would be next, and I actually think I'm with you. So go ahead and say it. Yeah, I know I'm gonna you know upset some veterans, but the best years of our lives just didn't do it for me. That's fine. That's fine. I'm cool with putting it there. It's a three hour movie that could have been hour forty. <laughs> I, I don't like when that happens. Like we don't need, I get that, you know, it was immediately after world war two, people wanted something that's, you know, celebrating those who came home. I totally get that. I don't want to step on that, but you could have done it in an hour for me. That's fair. That's fair. It is quite long, but you know, Frederick March, Harold Russell, they're fucking incredible in that. I don't want to take that away either. There is a great movie in there. It's just yeah. padded so hard. Yeah, I, 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 I like this one a lot, but it's very much up my alley of being kind of a slice of life movie about something very serious. Yeah. You know, coming coming home reminded me of uh, Best Years of Our Lives quite a bit in that it just is telling a different war story, you know, telling a different perspective. And it felt like it felt like uh, this movie, if it were made in the 90s, could have been, could have been directed by like fucking Richard Linklater. You know what I mean? It feels very very patient and very willing to give its characters enough time. So I responded to it a lot, but I, I totally understand why people would be kind of like bored. You know, I just, if you're, if you're going to be a three hour long movie, you need to give me like, you you need to give me a reason you can't just be a three hour movie. I need to know why. And I need to see why Yeah, certain, certain (laughs) movies can get away with that, but I need more than, than that. That's fair. That's fair. I think it belongs there because of those reasons. So I, I'm no problem with that. Um, so that would be kind of in the, you know, Hamlet and Yankee Doodle Dandy are kind of in their own tier. Next up, Spellbound, Best Years of Our Lives. What's after that? Um, now it's hard. I like, I really like the rest of these movies. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe Monsieur Verdoux. Yeah. Interesting. I kind of feel the same, but not because it's just like the rest of these are fucking like heaters. Like, yeah. 
this is this is difficult now. Like everything else here that's left is a near masterpiece. Yeah. Uh Monsieur Verdue, I love Chaplin. I think he's at his best when he's not talking. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I the great dictator is its own thing. We're gonna talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, that'll be towards the top. Yeah. <laughs> but um Monsieur Verdue is an interesting story, you know. Chaplin's just, you know, kind of a, a black widower to, you know, to support his family, his real family. There's a lot of pockets of, of a uh, dull drag in Monsieur Verdue, but those high comedic moments deliver. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And the ending is bleak and dark and unexpected. Uh, mm-hmm. And Chaplin kind of stole this from Orson Welles. <laughs> yes. So it's uh, yeah. Those two massive egos just fighting it out i can't imagine <laughs> oh i'd love to be in that room yeah just like <laughs> just like what watching two yeah two freaks freaks like just go at it feel like you choke to death on the smugness yeah just in the air yeah you, the air can't be real around those two guys <laughs> monster verdue reminded me of what was to come with guys we like like the cohen brothers where it's like yeah like very very funny but death you know, death. <laughs> death, yeah. death is also uh, the only truth that we have here while we're while we're uh, while we live on Earth, and we're going to hit you in the face with that. Yeah, I definitely saw like you know a little bit of Fargo, a little bit of Blood Simple. Yeah, in films like that, and I do love it, but I love the rest of Chaplin's work a lot more. Yeah, that's totally fair. Totally fair. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad I got to see that one. So, yeah. um, we have seven more movies here, and it mm-hmm. it is tight. <laughs> it's tight. <laughs> This is tough. I am going to go ahead and point out the heiress. That's exactly where I would go. Exactly. Okay. Love the heiress, but I mean, yeah. Great movie. But what it's up against is is hard to argue with. Uh, But yeah, just, you know, Olivia de Havilland standing up for herself and her money against a fucking grifter is is nice. It's delightful. Yes. I'll never forget... Montgomery Cliff just banging on the door, being like, let me in. Please let me in. Just, yeah. Yeah. And she's just standing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a female empowerment movie before we even knew what that meant and like what society actually could get out of it. And stories like that are, are so powerful. And Olivia de Havilland is a one of a kind performer. You know, she's got these, these beautiful big eyes that pierce through the, through the screen. And <laughs> the ending of that movie, I was so shocked. I was and so happy and so elated by 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 her decision to just be like, no, fuck you, you know. And I loved that, you know. Uh, <laughs> the movie kicks ass. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Uh, next, I'm. I would go. I would go. The Lost Weekend. I, it, for me, it's between The Lost Weekend and Gaslight. Next okay. up. All right, so it's Ray Land versus Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> god yeah great these these are both great you know i i love gaslight i love what it did for our show i feel like it really opened us up for the 40s yeah um and and we got a good conversation out of that episode talking about what the movie meant and what gaslight means and how it really defined a term that that is still relevant today yeah such a fucked up thing to do to somebody and i've had i won't name names here but if you're listening you know who you are you motherfucker but i have (laughs) Some, you know, some close people who recently, you know, realized that one of them had been gaslighting the other about an affair for a good decade. So 
after that, you know, that movie takes on a whole new meaning now that I've kind of seen it in action. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I want, I want to save Gaslight. <laughs> you want to save Gaslight? So okay, I want to so, save it. That movie was okay. Was special. Hey, this is, this is up to you, man. I, I, from here on out, I don't really care. These are all great. So if Gaslight, um, there's five movies left. What's behind Gaslight? The third man? Probably. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I, I, I can, I can hang with that. I can hang. All right. Okay. So we're, so we've crossed off the lost weekend in the third man. Yes. But okay. there's no way Gaslight's getting into those three. I'm, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Gaslight is next. Okay. So, okay. Lost weekend, third man, Gaslight is where we're at. Yes. And Lost Weekend and then, was brilliant. It was a great depiction of alcoholism. You know, just watching a man unravel is intoxicating, especially, you know, if you know someone or you've been through that yourself. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a vicious movie uh, and a good one. But these yeah. three, fucking hell, man. These are, I, yeah. <laughs> these are, these are like perfect movies. I mean, I mean, uh, we don't need to talk. Citizen Kane is, you know, is like everybody wants to talk about that one. But The Great Dictator for you and The Sierra Madre for me are like very, very personal favorites, like staples in our movie minds. So I guess that means that we're both cutting Citizen Kane next. Which some people would, uh, you know, castrate us for, but uh, (laughs) don't don't care. Kane's great. It is not the greatest movie ever made. Let's get that straight right now. Yeah, that's such a stupid uh, thing to say. Like to be yeah. like, this is the best movie. Best is such a like weird word, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's it's Charlie Chaplin versus John Huston. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with going Sierra and Dictator. I just hope you know it's one A one B. This is if this is a, a a tie for the most part. But because of its significance for film and what came after, I am going to give the win to Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay. I'm yeah, not going to argue at all. <laughs> I do, you know, The Great Dictator is a powerful, potent film. It's Chaplin, you know, just, you know, pulling down his pants and pissing right in Hitler's face, which is amazing. Uh, and it's hilarious and it's timely and probably his masterpiece. But Sierra Madre is just a precise swiss clock of a movie or swiss watch of a movie yeah it's it's unique it's brilliant it's a trailblazer it's my favorite bogart performance by a mile and it's just i could watch it i could watch it right now (laughs) Uh, i i feel the exact same way um god damn i love that movie so much it's 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 getting to the point where i'm like is that one of my like 10 fair movies ever you know mm-hmm. it's it's in that kind of like in my mind i'm like I, it's definitely my favorite 40s movie and probably if you it, pro- probably if you broke down you know like like uh kind of eras of film like this is my favorite old movie <laughs> like my favorite old american movie this this and john houston has become like one of my people you know one of my guys that i'm like this guy does no wrong in my mind in my mind uh, I agree with you. Bogart is like on a different level in that movie. Cannot believe he wasn't nominated. While wh- while the movie was nominated for Best Picture and Walter Houston won, you know, it's like, well, how is Humphrey, who is the best part of the movie, how is he not up at least? 
Has Treasure of Sierra Madre been claimed by the Criterion Collection yet? I don't think so. That's a trap. Um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me make sure on that. I, I don't think so for some reason. For some reason, um, I feel like I would have seen that by now. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I, I feel like I would have bought that by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Fucking A. You bought this movie for me like at a gas station or some shit. Yeah, I, I was I was filling up. I was getting a Slurpee or some shit, and I was looking through the movies, and I saw Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely, why not? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think don't, it's... Yeah. I'm not seeing it. That's, that's insane. There's got to be a something going on there, because Criterion, it's... The, has a lot to do with the rights of the movie and whatnot. And I know there's plenty of movies that they would love to have that they don't have. Yeah. Like uh, I couldn't help but notice there are no Disney movies in the Criterion Collection. Interesting. Yeah, Disney's like, no. Yeah, Fuck there's you. no way yeah. they're going to let some other company, you know, release Snow White or Dumbo or Pinocchio. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, and come to think of it, I, I don't think any of like Miyazaki's stuff is Criterion. Because Disney owns that shit too. Yeah, they're like, whoa, whoa, we own distributing rights on the western part of the world. Fuck you. You know, this is... is, Yeah, yeah. You cannot be making DVDs that look cooler than ours. You know, (laughs) that that can't... We can't have that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Sierra Madre is definitely one of those, like, oh, this is a staple. You know, this is a a true staple. And and, and it holds such a special place in my heart because of of how we found it on the show. It was yeah. something I had wanted to see for a while. And it was like, oh, we finally have a chance to watch it. And because it came back around and we did a, an episode on it, I talk about it all the time. Uh, it's also, I'm very big on uh, context with things. Mm-hmm. And Sierra Madre is the movie that Paul Thomas Anderson watched like hundreds of times while he was making There Will Be Blood. And you're like, yeah, I, I love that idea for a, you know, uh, a double feature, you know, um, a guy who's just obsessed with something and wants to put his own spin on it, make it weirder and darker. And I, I'm, I'm really into that. Yeah. Just replace gold with oil and you've got Daniel Plainview. Straight up. Yeah. Fucking get a little more evil. Yeah. You, you got, there'll be blood. Uh, okay. So let's go through these. I, I think we have, I think this is, I feel good about this. I feel pretty damn good about it. Um, we'll start with the back. Number 12, Hamlet. Number 11, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, 10, Spellbound. 9, Best Years of Our Lives. 8, Monsieur Verdoux. Uh, 7, The Heiress. 6, The Lost Weekend. So that'd be like the middle ground. That makes sense. 5, The Third Man. 4, Gaslight. 3, Citizen Kane. 2, The Great Dictator. 1, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. That is a damn good list. I like it. Good select, considering almost like pretty much all of that was you. Like I had very little input on those on those selections. Well done. Thank you. you know, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so two of those are best picture winners, best years of our lives, and the last weekend. Yeah. The others are just kind of chance type things that we wanted to take a shot at. You definitely pushed towards the beginning of this show. You were like, hey, great dictator. You need to see it. And I was like, I know I need to fucking see it. Uh, and we got to do that. Hamlet's a winner, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I just forgot because, you know. I know. It's, yeah. It's maybe the worst movie to ever win Best Picture. Okay. Well, so three. That's, <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Uh, yeah. So three. 
three best picture winners and then nine random random picks uh i would like to do i think maybe the next thing i want to do in the 40s i really want to do mildred pierce and i would really like to do a foreign movie from the 40s mm. you know no, get I mean. get yeah get get a little weird with it i think it'd be fun to do an old foreign movie from this from this era um you know, do some research on what we think would be interesting because we've been we've been highly rewarded when we do a foreign film. That is true. That is true. Love those rankings, but I do want to talk about our fifth ranked movie, <laughs> The Third Man. I want to talk about it more. There is a reason we chose it for for this episode. Uh, I had seen it and I wanted to share it with you. It's one of those type movies, and uh, felt like it was up your alley. And I, I think. Think, think I was right. Up your alley is an interesting term for this movie because there's a lot of alleyways and a lot of a lot of chambers, you know, in this in this movie. It's noir. It's yeah. I, I love me some film noir. It's a genre that just doesn't exist anymore. It seems to exist in a very specific time and place. And there's not yeah. a lot of film genres that are like unique to a to that. It's it's so cool. I love this shit. Yeah, yeah. It you know every time I watch film noir, it reminds me of why I love Chinatown so much because it's like, ah, someone tried in the fucking seventies to do this and they did a good job. You know, <laughs> they tried to they tried to capture that paranoia, that thriller, that fucking weird element that only existed in you know in the thirties, forties, and fifties. Um, Third Man Awards to Tarantino for best quote. Very good screenplay here. Very very good. This is a tough one. There's in particular a whole scene of dialogue where I was like, oh my God, what do I choose from that bit? Uh, so I, I tried. The Ennio Morricone Award for the best music moment. The entire score is zither music. <laughs> instrument you're never going to hear unless you watch uh, The Third Man uh, by Anton Karras. Uh, very, very good stuff. I think in your review, you wrote that it sounds like SpongeBob music. It weirdly, yeah, it's the same instrument. It does. It, does. it sounds exactly <laughs> like you're watching i'm ready uh, <laughs> the philip Seymour hoffman award for the best performance of the movie uh there's there's some contenders here for sure uh and then the roger deacons award for the best scene there are certainly many many contenders for that that award so i'll let you start with your tarantino whenever you're ready this was a yeah like you said very concise very cool screenplay and there was one moment that i just loved i i could have sworn i'd heard this before Probably mm. it's probably on you know lists of greatest movie quotes of all time. So I'm probably not breaking new ground here, but it was new to me. So shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's from Harry Lime, who's talking to his buddy Holly and <laughs> buddy Holly, and uh, yeah, nope, that was not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just how it goes. <laughs> and he tells him, uh, "Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful." Like the fellow says, in Italy for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. So good. So good. And that that's in one of the most like fascinating scenes I've ever encountered between two men who are uh, at odds <laughs> to yeah. say the least the whole time you know before we find out harry's alive holly's constantly telling everybody like oh he was my best friend we grew up together i trust him with my life and harry shows up <laughs> oh it's like you son of a bitch <laughs> like for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah straight up straight up he's like yeah the, how quickly the the tables turn is fascinating that's such a good bit 
Uh, and the scene I was talking about is is like that. Is that scene? There's so much dialogue from Orson Welles where you're like, "Holy shit, this is one of the coolest villains of all time," you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I chose when they're actually up on the ride, up on the Ferris wheel. There's some stuff he says that's pure evil, but the way he says it is so eloquent and so, you know, he's got such a vocabulary that you're you're enticed by him. You know, you're like, "Oh God damn it, I would do bad things <laughs> if, if this guy were in charge of me." Um, so Holly is is up is up there. Just Cotton, great performance from him. He's he's awesome. He does such a good job of playing playing off of Orson Welles and vice versa, which you can see in Citizen Kane as well. Uh, he says, "Have you ever seen any of your victims?" And Harry says, "You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims, don't be so melodramatic. Look down there. Tell me, would you really really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever?" If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spare? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money nowadays. <laughs> Slimy bastard. You know? He really is. It's, yeah, it's so fucking devious. It's, it's like a Bond villain. It's, it's great. And yeah, Orson's just chewing the scenery. It's, oh. Yeah, God, it's great. I also love when Harry says, uh, oh, I still believe in God, old man. I believe in God and mercy and all that, but the dead are happier dead. They don't miss much here, poor little devils. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, this guy's just a demon, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I love this performance. It's a heat check. How he wasn't up for Best Supporting Actor is like fucking crazy because this is one of those, I come in for the last 40 minutes of the movie and I take over. And, you know, take it or leave it. We probably told the Academy, like, I get best lead performance or I'm <laughs> not coming. Or nothing. Yeah. And apparently when they're shooting this movie, uh, Carol Reed was like having to figure out where the hell Orson Welles was because he just wasn't showing up. You know, he's like, oh, I'll be there when I can be there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am Orson. And it's like, no, dude, you're not really Orson anymore because people don't like you anymore. <laughs> you, you spent your late 20s and early 30s being a fucking dick. So now, like, now, now you need to show up. You need to work, man. And it's one of those things where like when he shows up, you get gold. And when he doesn't, you, you're pissed off and you have a pissed off crew. Is it worth it? Like, is the trade-off worth it? Like, I don't know because I don't don't work in that industry. I imagine, you know, having people show up for work makes it much easier to do your job. But when you have a guy who's just refusing to play ball, but then when he's there, it's like watching, you know, a gorgeous sunset. Like, how do you, what do you, what do you want? I don't, ah, I I can't imagine. Yeah, it's tough. That's a tough one. Uh, Because he is a a a one-of-a-kind guy. And there are guys like this throughout film history where they just didn't give a shit about anybody but themselves. And it's, it's tough. I, I feel like I wouldn't want to hire someone like that. I feel like I'm on the other side of the fence where I'm like, I, I'll sacrifice the great art for good art. If everybody's going to be on board and have a good time and remember this experience forever. Yeah. You know, there's probably people who worked on third man who are like, fuck that movie. Like fuck that whole experience. That guy was a, piece of shit you know i'm sure there are people who worked on you know they're probably not with us anymore but they probably didn't have fun you know and that's sad that's sad you make good art but like you didn't have fun what was the point one of my dreams is to treat like to to meet a jackass celebrity and act like i don't know them 
And oh man, yeah, I feel like I could have a ball with one of these guys, one of these diva assholes. If I'm on the set and just being like, "Hey, stop being a dick," I'll be like, "What did you just say to me?" I'll be like, "I told you stop being a dick." Like I would love to do that. Me too, man. That would be fucking wonderful. Yeah. Oh, you don't want a picture with me? Hell no! I don't know who you are. You creep. Yeah. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> I only take selfies with famous people. You're not one of those. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That would be beautiful. You'd, you'd fucking break them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Uh, is there someone in mind that you'd like to do that to? Like currently? Any of the Kardashians. Oh, that'd be, that'd be fun. I, I want to meet one of them and then just have no clue who they are. Because really, I don't know what most of them look like. So that might happen by accident. <laughs> that would be great. That's a good answer. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> That'd be loads of fun. <laughs> oh man! The, next is the Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment. I thought this was easy, but how about you? I went with the opening credits. Yeah, got to be. God, same, yeah. same. The theme. Yeah. For me, like you know, this is the first time I saw this. I was like, I thought I had the wrong movie for a second. I was like, there's no way this is the music to yeah, this fuck, movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I just had this moment of like, what am I about to watch? Because I thought I was, you know, about to watch some kind of weird noir parody almost. It had that vibe like this. You're about to watch a weird comedy. And I'm like, I had this kind of like incredulous look on my face for quite a while until things started to happen. What has Austin done to me? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All along, I was like, yeah, this movie, he's going to hate it. (laughs) It's like, what did I do? Yeah to deserve this yeah but yeah it was just it was a nice kind of tonal difference thing that i like throughout the movie the score is pretty much the same bit of music the whole time it's just at certain moments it's kind of like harry lime's theme song which yeah. is cool yeah 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 that's exactly what i chose it just immediately puts you into a trance and you're like where have i been transported this is not like anything i've ever seen it's one of the most unique decisions i've ever seen a movie make is to have the balls to do that and what's so cool about this score and that song in particular is it became the most played song. The theme from, from the third man became the most played song globally in 1950. Like what? <laughs> that, that weird zither music. Like how? How did this? So it, it made a career for Anton, right? And yeah. uh, Carol Reed, the director, saw him playing like at a club and was like, oh, that's fucking weird, you know, and was like, hey, would you want to do some stuff? You know, would you want to like work on work in movies and, and, and help me with my score? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, so they go they go to a hotel room in Vienna, of all places, and they just are he's just playing for him in the hotel room and he like does different things and does different little riffs, you know, and it becomes the score for one of the most influential 40s movies ever. Really cool. Like, really good for you, Anton. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. I love when people just kind of fall into shit like that. That's that's so cool. Wouldn't it be cool if it happened to us, you know? <laughs> just fall into a, a hole of, of fortune. <laughs> Is, I, I, got, I got some stuff in the works. Yeah, I'm I, yeah, prepared for that for that day, you know? <laughs> I got an emergency bag under my bed, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Got like, yeah, got like, you're like a doomsday prepper just for that one moment when you gotta a, go on the run. I'm a fame prepper. Like I've got, <laughs> I've got everything in in 
where it needs to be just uh, when that day comes. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm ready to go right now if you are, you know. <laughs> I'll leave the DVD, I'll leave the DVD collection behind. Let's fucking go, you know. <laughs> let's let's not get crazy here. <laughs> I've got special bags for that, you know. I got special people that will carry them. Uh the Philip Summer Hoffman Award for the best performance of the movie. This one's this one's kind of kind of interesting. This was difficult. This was hard to pick from until I saw Orson Welles, and then it was easy, easy going. This goes to Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, this is hard because I like when someone carries a movie, and Just Cod certainly is in almost every frame, you know, uh, every scene. Uh, Alita Valley, she she's really good too. Uh, she's she's a very unique performer, but man, Orson, he he does like what. J.K. Simmons doesn't whiplash and what Heath Ledger doesn't dark night where you're like, dude, you just steal the movie. When you're on the screen, it's like nobody else is there. There are a few things I love more in a movie than a heat check villain performance. Yeah. And yep. Orson Welles, like, you know, fucking precursor to so many here. And just this smarmy kind of like, you know, yeah, I faked my own death. What are you going to do about it? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm Harry. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm Harry. He's like, have you seen the TV show Recess? Like, like the cartoon? Yeah. Yeah, he's like the hustler kid. It's like what <laughs> the, the hustler kid who opens up like the trench coat. He's yeah, yeah. I got Rice Krispies. I got yo-yos. You know, <laughs> he's just like, but why are you treating this like it's nothing? <laughs> you're just you're just going about your business. I don't know. He, he's, he's literally else. he's literally walking around in broad daylight. Like yeah, he yeah. just he just died like a week ago, and he's just like at the at the amusement park being like, you know, how you doing? Holly, long time no see. Yeah, want, I, I want to cut you in. <laughs> and, and, and then he does that thing that we love when villains do when the villains are, are are bested or outed and when he's in that tunnel and there's a bunch of different tunnels to go down and he can hear the echoes he's like looking around he's like fuck they've got me <laughs> you know and, and that's such a beautiful moment of the villain realizing it all caught up to me you know and i love when that happens in movies you shouldn't steal meningitis medication from children that's just probably, you know, probably that's not. The lesson here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Harry Lime, total bastard. <laughs> that's that's what we got going on here. But Orson is great. He's it's not a ton of screen time, but every second just he makes it count. So I, yeah, got to give it to him. Fun fact: I found out that Joe Pesci's character in Home Alone, his full name is Harry Lime. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw it on IMDb. Like it's never mentioned in the movie. But yeah, his full name is Harry Lime. Oh, well, that's a cool shout out. That's fun. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's neat. That makes me like him even more. You know, <laughs> good shit. Yeah, yeah. Or Orson uh, taking the PSH for both of us here. Um, this makes sense. Uh, the Deacons, though. I wonder. I wonder where you're going here. This was just such a cool moment because, like, you kind of saw it coming because you're like, Orson Welles is in this movie, but where where the hell is he? I keep hearing about this guy, Harry Lime. He's, something's, there's a connection there. And then, you know, Holly in the middle of the night sees feet in an out in a doorway and is like, who the hell are you? Show yourself. And out pops Orson Welles. The music starts playing and you're like, that son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. just suddenly the movie takes a left turn and now it's something else. I love when a movie just has a moment where everything changes. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down the Harry Lime reveal. You know, that's what I wrote down. And, and it's it's great because Joseph Cotton's playing. He's drunk as fuck and he's doing it. He's doing a damn good job. I love when he's like, I see your feet. <laughs> you know, come on. 
come on, wherever you are, whoever you are, you know, it does you're like, Oh God. Uh, and, and that, the, the light, when the light shines on Orson Welles face and he's just kind of like, gotcha. It's such a, such a brilliant, brilliant scene, such a brilliant, like specific moment in the movie. Like you said, everything changes after that. Um, uh, I was battling between that, the final scene in the tunnel, the tunnels. I think that's such like a brilliant, when he dies, it's such a brilliant, brilliant scene with all the, all the different men kind of walking around their trench coats. Like, ha, ha, ha. I would love to be in something like that. Like in a scene like that, it'd be really cool to just look like Humphrey Bogart for an hour, you know? And uh, I also think the Ferris wheel scene is something else is like the dialogue between these two guys. They got to go up on the ride so They can talk about certain things that nobody else can hear. It's just, there's like a few moments in this movie where you're like, wow, like Carol Reed and company were on top of their game with this. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I didn't really have like I love the all those scenes, but th- this was this was taking it like immediately. I didn't really have any uh, second choice, but one scene I do want to shout out is uh, the ending of the movie where when she when she walks by when she just ghosts his ass. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I, that does not happen in 40s movies where it's always gotta end with you know the guy and the girl get together or there's like a fleeting glance where you're like, oh, someday. But no, this was you killed the man I love. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 th- this this brings up the question of like, what is the point of what Holly's doing? You know, what is the what's the dr- why does he have this drive to do what he's doing? Is it for for his friend? Is it to end up really getting the girl? Is it like some morale thing? Is he bored with his own life because his books he knows deep down are shitty? You know, it's like what what is he really doing here? And man, that's one of my favorite character studies ever is when you take a male who's so lost in his own life, lost in the sauce, and is like, now I have this new thing to chase. And they go too deep. They just go too deep. Yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things uh, in movies is is that kind of like that character study of someone, you know, someone who doesn't really know what's going on. doesn't know what the drive is or, or what the intentions are really. What we see in the scene where he's forced to give the lecture that he doesn't know anything about his own job, about his own work. He doesn't know anything about literature. Nope. Like, what does he have? Like, what is he good at? Anything? Yeah. So, yeah, this seems like an opportunity for him to kind of, you know, exist as, you know, be the hero from one of his own novels. He gets to be the sheriff who wraps everything up. He gets to catch the bad guy and get the girl. But things don't, life doesn't work out like that. Sometimes the bad guy's your best friend. Sometimes the girl wants nothing to do with you. It's and this movie has that. It's so unique, and that's I love that shit. Yeah, and it, it reminds me of so many movies that I'm like obsessed with. Is like when someone decides decides to be like a a detective. You know, like <laughs> uh, this is what I'm gonna do because I'm fucking shitty at everything else. You know, like I'm you know like 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 movies like Inherent Vice where you're just like he's just like ah fuck it. You know, I this is what I'll do. You know, I'll find I'll figure things out for somebody or. Like the long goodbye from the seventies is one of those just like this unlikely man who's like I'll I'll go against all the odds and I'll figure it out and, and become a hero of some sort. When really like what are you doing? <laughs> you're you you're being you're being fucking weird, you know. Takes me back to Chinatown, you know. Jake Giddis, yeah, yep. shitty fucking detective who's wrong at every turn, but he wants to be the hero so bad. He wants to figure it out. He wants to be the guy to put the cuffs on the bad guy. Yep. But life's not that simple. Yeah, I that's exactly right. You know, those those are like some of my favorite movies of all time, or movies like that that 
someone decides to take 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 the reins of of being kind of this narrator slash main character of our story and they're like i'll figure it out but they become unreliable they become unreliable and they're they're shitty at it and you get really amazing filmmaking out of it and with the third man it's this ambiguous ending of like what did you just watch really what did you really just see yeah because she was like not impressed (laughs) forget it holly it's vienna yeah exactly yeah so good i love it i love i love that shit man that's some of my it's my favorite stuff so this movie's awesome it's really good really good stuff only up for three oscars so we can kind of whip through these real quick and uh, get up out of here this has been a fun ass episode uh let's see 23rd academy awards at one cinematography so we'll do that last i guess the others would be film editing and director let's do film editing first uh let's see these ceremonies are so funny because there's in one category there's three in one category there's 20 uh, film editing film editing should be towards the bottom there it is Okay, uh, the winner of this category is uh, King Solomon's Mines movie. Mm. I have not, I have not seen that one. Uh, it beat All About Eve, Annie Get Your Gun, mm. Sunset Fucking Boulevard, and The Third Man. So we've actually seen some of these. I've seen all of that, but the winner. <laughs> so really, okay. Yeah. What's what's Annie get, get Your Gun? What's that? What's that one? That is a musical about Annie Oakley, and it's uh, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it, uh, you know, uh, to impress a girl in high school, and I was like, we were going back and forth with movie recommendations. She kept giving me stuff like old Bob Hope movies and old fifties musicals, and I'm like, what the hell is this girl? And uh, Annie Get Your Gun was one of them, and I was like, ugh. But then I watched it, and I was like, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I like this. So. Okay. Good. Good. Well, okay, so King Solomon's Mines, neither of us have seen that one. If you had to vote here, what would you go? I mean, All About Eve is amazing. Sunset Boulevard, op, you know, it speaks for itself. And The Third Man's really good. Mm. I give this uh, pretty wholeheartedly to Sunset Boulevard. I, I'd agree with you. That's where my vote would go. But, uh, man, uh, All About Eve is something else. And it it sure needs it sure needs that the, that that fine fine tuning, you know, and uh, – True. That's that's a movie that would be great to do on this show. Oh, it's a, what's well, a winner? It's going to happen at some point. Oh yeah. <laughs> when when exactly is <laughs> the question? But sunset, you know, is balancing that delicate, you know, guy. You know, our, our hero's dead at the beginning of the movie, and you're like, how did he get here? So the way it's edited to you know reflect all that, I I re- I really enjoyed that. Mm. Okay, I can dig it. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, best picture showdown is going to be interesting. Yeah. Yes. I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. I wish the third man would have been up for best picture. That would have been that would have been nice. Uh best director. All about Eve. The other Mank, Joseph. <laughs> Joseph Mankiewicz. Uh he won he won that year. Uh he beat John Houston for the asphalt jungle. Oh, mm-hmm. just love, love that movie. Uh George is it is it Kukor? Kukur? Kukur. Kukur. George Kukur. Uh Born Yesterday. Haven't seen that one. Uh, Billy Wilder for Sunset Boulevard, of course, and Carol Reed for The Third Man. Wolf, man. That's a group. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That, is a, I, that is a group group of films right there. <laughs> again, I've seen all but one. This is this is nice. See, we're learning. I, I haven't seen Born Yesterday either. I've seen the other four. Asphalt Jungle we watched for 
uh, Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little, we it's did a little John, John Houston. Houston. Yep. Oh. Ah, this is tough. I think I would stick with Mankiewicz. I think I'd stick with Joseph. Yeah, what he's doing with All About Eve is fucking special. And I, Billy Wilder, he's got enough statues. <laughs> yeah, give give Mank one. I, yeah, All About Eve is. I'm so glad I just randomly watched that. I had like that wasn't me too show or anything. That was just I'll watch this. I I watched it around when the Oscars actually happened. I was like, I'm gonna knock out a couple like Best Picture winners that I haven't seen, like big ones. And All About Eve is pro- was probably at the top of my list of ones I hadn't seen because I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And the people were right. People, people were right, you know. And I love when that happens because you feel like you're a part of something that has lasted for decades, you know, something something that you really connected with. So, God, I love that movie. And you know, Makewix is directing a lot of talented people, you know, and and getting and getting them to all match. I'm sure was not not easy. No, I mean that's a movie, you know, dealing with so many grand themes and new ideas that all mesh together perfectly, like a good stew. It's so weird. It's like it's, a, it's a, almost a perfect production. So yeah, the fact that Mankiewicz was able to pull that off, well done. Yeah, that that movie has five total performance nominations. Just like I mean, yeah, yeah, come on, <laughs> and I'm cool with it. Like I'm cool. After I watched, I was like, yeah, this is a this is an actor's movie where you're just so enthralled by what the people are doing. Uh, great, yeah, love that movie. Fuck, I can't wait to do it. Uh, last category, the one that the third man won is cinematography, black and white. Uh, the third man, Robert Krasker, winner. Uh, All about Eve. There it is again. Milton Krasner, The Asphalt Jungle, Harold Rawson. The Furies, Victor Milner, and Sunset Boulevard, John F. Seitz. So another great group. I mean, these these this is a good cat, a good fucking ceremony. Yeah, again, all but one. Yeah, <laughs> same. The Furies. God damn it. Yeah, I want to see what's the Furies. Let me check that out. Furies. Walter oh, there's Houston. Walter. Oh, Walter Houston in his final movie. Oh God. Shit. Yeah, I need to see that. Directed by Anthony Mann. Okay, Western with fucking Walter Houston say say less. You know, <laughs> it's it's a it's a part of the Criterion Collection. Oh, there you go. The the Furies. It's probably on the fucking streaming service right now. Well, I know what you're doing later. Uh. Very very possible. It is quite late, so maybe maybe not tonight. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> um, the third man is really like the way it handles shadows and just the. The shots of like Harry and the nah. super great, like I I get this why that one. Yeah, this ain't being taken away from me. This is, but uh, then you've got scenes like in Sunset Boulevard of like Gloria Swanson's close up and these like you know William Holden dead in the pool and it's like what do I do here? <laughs> <laughs> and the asphalt jungle ain't no walk in the park, you know. It's a oh. brilliantly filmed movie. Yeah, and then all about Eve is you know fucking speaks for itself. Yeah, that's just cla- like classical filmmaking and all about Eve. Third Man is like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Every, every single frame is like, you're thinking about it. Sometimes it's so good, it's distracting you from what's happening in the story. You're like, damn, that staircase looks fucking awesome, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah, he's running away from like the cops. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going to give, you're right. I'm going to give it the edge on its creativity and, you know, trying new things with a camera, which is, you know, great to see at this time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, of course wish it would have been up for best picture. Uh, I wish Orson Welles would have been up for supporting actor after that. I think best score, like, come on, what are we doing here? This, this score is so unique and way different than other things. I think it should have got a nomination. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. stuck in my head the whole time we're doing this. <laughs> same here, same here. I, I was listening to, um, well, not not today, but not that long ago. I listened to um, these two guys talking about the third man. And one of them loves it. The other one was like, nah. It's, he, he was like, it's good. It's just not my movie. And I was like, okay, I I respect that. I like when people say, uh, say what they're feeling. They're not just like going with the tide. Uh, and he's like, he was like, the score is annoying. He's come annoyed by it. It's it's stuck in my head and it's so goofy and weird. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad this guy's being honest because I was laughing my ass off back when I listened to it um, after the first time I watched this movie, and uh, I was just like, I, I understand, but I I'm I love it. I think it's great. I think it's so unique, and I, I again is one of the first things I'd point to. Like there should be a nomination there for it, but uh, this this ceremony is completely dominated by all about eve uh, it won best picture it won six oscars and was up for 14 so i mean it's one of those all-timer like no-brainer one of the best 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 pictures of all time so i i, I get it and sunset's not so bad either <laughs> you know uh it's that's gonna be a really cool best picture showdown one day a ceremony where sunset boulevard is considered like you know good but not the best is is something to behold <laughs> Exactly. And you know that this 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 best picture category is all about Eve, Sunset Boulevard, Born Yesterday, which we both could knock out, Father of the Bride, and King Solomon's Mind. So we'd be able to do some like cool homework there, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting bunch there. King Solomon's Mind keep popping up. I was expecting the asphalt jungle. Yeah, unfortunately, another one that just didn't didn't quite make the cut. But you know, Father of the Bride is a movie I've always wanted to see. You got Mr. Spencer Tracy up in there, and I, I, I you know, I, we both dig him a lot. Is Elizabeth Taylor is in that one? Uh, it's it's a comedy, so it's like oh, that could go either way. You know, you never know. It is could this, be like a little. What's up? Is this the original? Like, was the Steve Martin '90s movies '90s movie based on this? I. It's got to be right. Hmm. I mean, it's got to be. I don't know. Maybe let's. I would. I would assume so. I would assume that it sequels and adaptations. Uh, Remake of Father of the Bride. Yep. Yeah, nineteen ninety one. Diane Keaton, Steve Martin. Yep. Vincent Minnelli. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm in. (laughs) I'm curious. I'm curious about it. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be a fun one uh, in the future. Maybe. Maybe we'll do it sooner than later. You never know. But uh, man, this is a good episode. I had a lot of fun talking about the 40s, talking about these movies we've kind of added to our stream of conscious when we talk about movies and talk about the Oscars. So this is cool. Yeah. Um, this Wednesday, uh, for the sake of Vicious on Filmgasm, is that is that the movie from a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 2020, 2019. 2020 but it came out it ended up on shutter in 2021 but it's it's, ah. it's a whole thing uh okay. weird ass title i hope the movie explains what the hell that means uh <laughs> i have not watched it yet i'm looking forward to doing one with colton he's he's back got got a new computer <laughs> very excited <laughs> fuck yeah and um good yeah, good good it's a home invasion thriller about like a nurse versus a group of psycho bikers so you know should be an interesting film 
Awesome. And then uh, on Beyond the Bad, this I this I I, I can't wait for King Kong, nineteen seventy six. Oh, yeah, boy. the shitty one. <laughs> yeah, ta- tackling one of the biggest you know uh, biggest IP you know names with the shitty one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm looking forward to doing kind of a compare and contrast of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I've been doing this. I've been doing that shit to Caleb like all week. Um, contrast. <laughs> but I'm gonna watch you know the 30s Kong. Never seen that before. I'm very excited. I'm gonna rewatch Peter Jackson's Kong, so I can see like you know how did the 70s one drop the ball? Like what happened? Mm. Uh, and it's Jeff Bridges and Jessica Langs, which is pretty crazy. So, like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting just to kind of kind of go through it. And you go through the other King Kong movies, you know, the ones that are bad, good, in the middle. You know, that's always a good time. Uh, I, for one, love that Peter Jackson won. It, like, moved me a lot. The, when I was, we were, like, 10 when that came out, and I was freaked out by it. I haven't seen it since then, since I saw it at the movies. It freaked me out Dude. so much. I was like, I don't want to watch that again. So I felt the same. I felt the same way. But then one day it was on TV. It's on like HBO or whatever, you know, one of those channels. And I was like, hmm, I'll give it another go, you know? And I was like, fuck, this is good. This is a good fucking movie with a crazy good cast, like just lights out. Uh, so yeah, I, I would love to do that movie properly one day on one of our shows. Uh, the town next weekend next oscar sunday the town finally we've been wanting to do this movie forever we've never talked about 2010 on this show and that is crazy that we haven't done that that you know that that's obviously where the social network came out king speech was the best picture winner uh i've tried to stay away from social network because it's like I, i don't even know what to say anymore about it i've talked about it too much you know it's one of those but it will happen one day but I think it's going to be really fun to do uh, a, a one-time nominee, nomination movie, The Town, Mr. Jeremy Renner for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, so we're going to talk about that great heist movie, probably my favorite thing Ben Affleck's ever done. And uh, we're also going to do a project involving Best Supporting Actor nominees from the 2010s that didn't win. We're going to do a project with that. So that's just a little little teaser you know I, I cannot wait it's gonna be really cool for us to dive into that that category because we both love it and i'm looking forward to finally tackling the town i've had this circled for i've had this circled since we started the show as one of those fun one-off uh one nomination movies but uh yeah thank you guys for listening this has been a blast um third man check it out it's on criterion channel or you can buy it great movie it's gonna be worth your time uh follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Filmgasm. Check out our website. We got stuff up nearly every day. So uh, stick with us. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you on Wednesday.